Well, it is a privilege to introduce our special speaker, Dr. Virginia Ward. And she's no stranger to us. You might remember that she preached back in January. Do you remember that Sunday that you were very relaxed looking because you were in your pajamas? It was the Sunday that it got snowed out. And Virginia went to great effort to be here to pre-record that sermon, which was really powerful. We decided we would invite her back in August, hoping that it wouldn't snow again. (laughs) So delighted that she's here. She is the assistant dean of Gordon-Conwell's Boston campus. Uh, She is very connected with the Orange Conference and the Next Generation um, Ministry. She has a doctorate in Emerging Generations. Such a, she's just a delightful person. And on the side, she does a little pastoring, associate pastor at Abundant Life Church in her spare time. Would you welcome warmly Dr. Virginia Ward? I am blessed to be a part of 3% of the population of the world. I am a twin. (laughs) Twins run in our family. In fact, we have five different sets of twins in our family. Not by the same person, but by different and in different generations. (laughs) Got to clarify that. You see, my desire to work with and to journey with people has its genesis in my mother's womb. So I believe in working together and helping other people. I believe in the, in the joy of journeying with people through life. My twin and I, who's here today, just wave, my twin is here today. Woo. My twin and I and our younger sister and our younger brother, we have been blessed to walk through life together, through joys, through sorrows, smiling and crying and sometimes at the same time. The joyful gifts that come to us in life, such as good health or a home or a new job or great friendships, those are joyful gifts. But sometimes we get sorrowful gifts. We lost our mother in our 20s. And our dad just recently passed away about a year ago. We are still called to walk together. Many people are unaware that in those sorrowful, in those bitter times of life, when things don't taste so good, when things aren't necessarily going our way, that we're still blessed in the midst of that bitterness. Sometimes we say, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't ask for this. But yet, it is our burden in that time and in that season. Today, we're going to look at the account of a woman by the name of Naomi in the Bible who journeyed through a season of bitterness. And although she was in that season, she was still blessed. And we're going to look at how she was bitter and how she was blessed. The book of Ruth is one of two books in the Bible that bears the name of a woman. Ruth is a book that we don't know who the author is. The author is some equated to Samuel, but it's just not verified. 
There are three main characters in the book of Ruth. There's Ruth herself, which is the daughter-in-law. There's Naomi, which is her mother-in-law. And then there's Boaz. Y'all have heard about Boaz. All the single ladies in the house go, Boaz. Okay, all right, I'm going to behave. <laughs> so Boaz is known as the kinsman redeemer. And we'll get into that a little later. And some people equate him to a type of Christ who buys us back from places of sin. The book of Ruth also reflects the faithfulness of everyday people. And it lists the lineage of how David is connected to Christ. Ruth is not an Israelite. In fact, she's a Moabite. And it's, it's the only book in the Old Testament canon that is named after someone who is not an Israelite. This country, Moab, is kind of northeast of the Dead Sea. And as a plug for Israel, if you've never been to Israel, you need to go and put your feet on the soil where Jesus walked. You need to go and experience and to float in the Dead Sea. That's just a sidebar plug. You need, to, you need to go do it. It'll change your life. It really will. I know people say that, but for real, it will. Jesus was there. Come on, y'all. Her mother-in-law, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, is the central figure that we're going to look at today and we're going to study. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, he was from the tribe of Ephraim, and he was set to continue the royal line of David. This account is set in time when the judges ruled and people kind of uh, were in a bit of despair because there was a famine in the land. Elimelech and his family, they moved from Bethlehem. They went to Moab to try to avoid the famine. But then when they got to Moab, the famine hit there. Side by plug. Sometimes when you run from a problem, you go to a place and you encounter that same problem. Maybe God is trying to tell you something. So instead of running from the problem, we need to pause and say, God, what are you saying? What do I need to see? What do I need to understand? While living in Moab, Naomi had two sons. Both of these sons died. Her husband died. She's left in this land with no husband, no children. But she has these two daughter-in-laws. So she makes a decision, I'm going to leave this country of Moab and I'm going back to Bethlehem, the house of bread. And she's saying to her daughter-in-laws, look, y'all are still young. This is my version. Y'all are still young. Y'all are still fly. Go catch you a man. <laughs> They're like, no, we want to stay with you. And she's like, no, you can't stay with me because if you stay with me, even if I did get married again and I have another son. You gonna wait for brother man to grow up? I don't think so. You need to go and find another man. So one of her daughters-in-laws kiss her and goes off and says, oh, I'm going to find that brother. And she goes to find the brother. But the other daughter-in-law, Ruth, decides to stay. And this is where we pick the scripture up in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, looking at verses 16 to 22. I'm looking at the NIV version of the Bible. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. 
Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you from me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women explained, exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Called me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Naomi the mother-in-law decides to return to Bethlehem, the house of bread. Two women journeying through sorrow, two women walking together, bitter yet blessed. Naomi's returning home. Ruth didn't have to go, but she decided to go. This account that we read in the book of Ruth, you may have heard before, you may have heard others say it. I believe it's equated to a song by Dream Girls back in the day, where Effie looks and she's like, and I am telling you. I can't sing it like Jennifer Hudson and them singing, I ain't going nowhere, cause you're the best thing I ever had. And you, and you, and you, you're gonna love me. <laughs> Ruth says to Naomi in that moment, I'm all in. I like people who are all in. I like somebody on my team, and hopefully all them Sunday team people who sign up, y'all sign up for team, be all in. You sign up for something, show up. Do what you're supposed to do, be all in. Ruth was all in, and Naomi said, oh, okay, this girl's with it. She's, she's not leaving me. So when Naomi arrives back into the country, she has barely the clothes on her back and a few things in tow, and she's got Ruth with her. And Naomi walks into her city, and the people look at her and go, is that Naomi? Is that the sweet, her name means sweet. Is that the pleasant woman? Is that her? Those of you that have graduated from high school and you've been invited back to a high school reunion, if you've gone and you see some people and you go, is that Tony? <laughs> he was the finest guy in school, what happened to him? Is that Susan? I guess that liposuction didn't work too well. <laughs> and we don't recognize people. This is how Naomi felt. Returning back home, I'm bitter. 
Things have happened to me and I don't like it. I didn't sign up for it. I didn't ask for it, but I'm here. Don't call me sweet anymore. Call me bitter. Bitter, as an adjective, it means disagreeable. It means mocked by intensity or severity. It's accompanied by severe pain or suffering. Naomi was bitter. Bitter can be a verb or an adjective. As a verb, it describes the actions. And then as a verb, bitter means to be rebellious, particularly against God. Sometimes as Christians, yes, as Christians, we're bitter. We're the worst people in the store. We don't leave tips. Come on, y'all. Christians, sometimes we are the worst. People serve us in restaurants and they hear praise the Lord. They go, oh no, we ain't getting a tip today. We are not to be that way as people of God. We are to show light. We are to show love. In fact, we're admonished in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, to not let the root of bitterness spring up in us that will harm or defile and hurt other people. We are admonished in Ephesians 3.31 to put away bitterness, put it away, cast it aside. And in Proverbs 14.10, it tells us, where bitterness resides, in the heart. Bitterness resides in the heart. Proverbs 14.10, the heart knows its own bitterness. What was Naomi bitter about? Well, there were four things she was bitter about. First of all, she was bitter about the process. She left full and came back empty. This process that has taken her from step to step, from point to point, point A to point B. See, we don't like process now. We don't like process. You know how I know we don't like process? If I were to ask you in your cell phone, who were your first, give me three of your top, your top three favorite people listed in your cell phone. You would go my mother, my friend, my whatever. And if I were to tell you to tell me what's their phone number, you couldn't tell me. You would say, it's mom, because you just press mom. See, back in the day, we had to dial digits, 617-123-4567. We don't have process anymore. And we despise process. You mean I have to cook? That's what Uber Eats is for. You call the food, somebody cooks it, somebody fix it, they bring it to your door. You don't even have to go out and get it anymore. We don't like process. We don't like the aging process. I know when I was 30 and gray hair started showing, I said, okay, I'm gonna wash that gray right out of my hair. Then I turned 40 and I said, okay, I'm gonna let it go gray at 40. He said, nope, keep washing. Said my hairdresser, keep washing. Turned 50, said, oh, keep washing, keep washing, keep I'm trying, buying creams and lotions and doing all kinds of things to keep the aging process away. I'm not alone, y'all trying to act like I'm alone. I know I'm not alone. <laughs> We don't like process. Naomi had left full and came back empty. The famine she tried to avoid, it was on the outside of her home. Then it came knocking on her door and came to the inside. She was bitter about the process. 
She was bitter about the product. She had gotten married. So first the process, now the product. She had gotten married. She had two sons. She figured, oh, they're going to pop out some grandchildren any day now. Didn't happen. They both died. She's got nothing. She's bitter. It's like, why haven't I produced? Some of us are going, I'm this age. I should have produced this by now. I should have had this. I should have had this degree. I should be living here. I should have that. Sometimes the product can make us bitter. Sometimes even what we have makes us bitter. If you're like me and you like watching House Hunters or HGTV and you see people looking for new homes and new places to live and it's like, well, I need a house that has 10 bathrooms with all with 10 bedrooms and bathrooms all with en suites and I need, and you're like, are you kidding me? You can only live in one room at a time. <laughs> what have we become as a people when the products that are in front of us are no longer satisfactory? She wasn't just bitter about the process. She wasn't just bitter about the product. She was also bitter, thirdly, about the place, the place she was in. She had left Bethlehem, the house of bread, and gone to Moab. And there's a famine here. And she loses her husband and her kids. And she's like, this house, this tent reminds me of everything that I lost. Sometimes the places we live in, dwell in, work at, go to school at, remind us, make us better. I don't like it. I didn't ask for this. That's why it's so important for young people to have adults in their lives. It's so important for us as adults to come alongside of the youth in our families and in our church and in our communities so that they can have caring adults in their lives so that just because the environment might be messed up, they don't have to be messed up because there are people around them who love and care and pour into them. But we find Naomi in a place that she doesn't want to be in, so she returns back to her home to Bethlehem, the house of bread. Then fourthly, it's not just the process. It's not just the product. It's not just the place. Now the people, she's bitter. Can you imagine? You come to your high school reunion. You did the best you could. You pulled it all together. You ladies, we got that girdle on. that's sucking everything in. You know, y'all seen that commercial on YouTube, and they have this new product, the undergarment that you put, you, you, you're all out like this, and then you put on this undergarment, and, and then you get this perfect figure all of a sudden. She's done all, she's pulling it all together the best she can. And the people are going, that all you got? What's wrong with you? Ooh, look at you. You look like you've been through the ringer. You know when you're tired and you're trying to do your best and you walk somewhere, so, oh, you look so tired. You're like, gee, thanks, you know. You didn't think I knew that before I walked in the door. At least be grateful I'm here. So she comes to her city and her friends, the women look at her and go, could that be Naomi? The chatter in the town used to be good about her. Now it isn't. She's bitter, the people. If you're like me, you can admit there are times in your life where life has just handed you some things that have just made you bitter. We mask it very well. We're New Englanders. We know how to cover that. How are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. 
God is good all the time and all the time God is good. But inside our hearts hurting. Growing up in my family, I was labeled the black sheep of my family. And lest you think it's because of the color of my skin, because yes, I am a beautiful black woman. Thank you, please. Uh, it's because I was different. I didn't color inside the lines. I like to ask a lot of questions. I was kind of that rebel in the group. I was the one that if everybody went right, I went left. I'm not gonna ask, there are some other folk in this place who are like me. I'm not gonna ask you to self-identify, but growing up, sometimes that made me feel bitter because I just didn't fit in anywhere. Living in Boston, Boston has not always been a city that was racially welcoming. As a black woman growing up in the city, I've lived in Mattapan and in Dorchester, and I remember my siblings went, they were part of the season of busing. For those of you that may have been around for a while, you may remember this, but for those of you that don't, there was a time where Boston would take kids from one neighborhood and bus them to another neighborhood because the resources were not equitable in certain neighborhoods. So they would bring kids of color to certain neighborhoods. And I remember my sisters going to school and coming home and they said to my mother, Ma, they threw stones at the bus today. People were waiting outside and threw stones at buses that were carrying kids of color to other neighborhoods. Bitter. And I remember hearing that, going, oh, I don't like that. All we're trying to do is learn. When our mother passed away in our 20s, I'm like, What's up with this guy? She's supposed to be here to help me raise this child. I had just had my firstborn son. He was only six months old. And her mother passed away at 55. Bitter. Lord, that's not right. I often felt misunderstood at home, at work, because I was that kind of child <laughs> who grew into that kind of an adult can make you bitter. My twin sister and I, growing together, I remember when she came to me as an adult and she said, they're saying I have breast cancer. And it was like, God, the big C, that's the word you don't want to hear. And in that moment, we were emotionally like, oh, she sat in that doctor's office and said, I'm believing God that he's going to heal me. She chose in that space, looking at the big C, to still believe God. She said, I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. I am not giving into this. I said, go ahead, Naomi. Walk through that bitterness season. Walk through it with a blessed attitude. As Martin Luther King said, he said, my sufferings mounted and I soon realized that there were two ways I could respond to my situation. Either to react with bitterness or seek to transform the suffering into a creative force. I decided to follow the latter course. In that same sermon, he went on to say, Never succumb to the temptation of bitterness. 
pause and think moment. In the moments of bitterness in our lives, we must remember we're still blessed. How is Naomi blessed? I'm so glad you asked. Well, the word bless means to hallow or to consecrate. It means favor. It means to bestow prosperity or happiness upon. It means to invoke divine care of. Naomi knew she was blessed because, see, Naomi was blessed with, first of all, strategy. Can you say strategy? strategy. Oh, y'all trying to act like you don't know where you are. Come on, y'all say strategy. Come on, we in church. There we go. We know. Come on, see if, hey, I might take you somewhere. I, I can have you talk to you. Come on, let's talk to our neighbor for a minute. Come on, I'm going to invite you into a black church experience. Come on, look at your neighbor. Come on, come on, come on. I invite you. I knight you all. Come on, look at your neighbor. Look at a neighbor. Come on, say neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Ruth had, say Naomi had strategy. Oh, they didn't believe you. They didn't believe you. Find another neighbor. Come on, find the other neighbor. Come on. They didn't believe you. Find the other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. Oh, other neighbor. Naomi had strategy. See, Naomi from the beginning was trying to help her daughter-in-laws to find their Boaz, as it were. She kept saying to them, go find a husband, go find a husband. But she realized that she couldn't continue to say to this generation, go do, go do. She had to devise a plan and help her work it out as it were. When they arrived in Bethlehem, it was during the time of the barley harvest. So the barley harvest comes right before the wheat harvest. So she knew that there would be provision for them because she, Ruth said, I'm going to go glean. The process of gleaning was if you owned a piece of land, you could only harvest the inside of the land. You had to leave the outer portions of the land for the poor and the widows and the orphans to go and gather enough food so they could eat. So Ruth said, I'm going to go glean. Naomi said, cool, go to this place to glean. The place she went to glean was the property of, as we would say, a cousin, a kinfolk who turned out to be Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. Naomi explained it thoroughly. This is what you're going to do. She guided Ruth step by step by step. Naomi, as the older woman, taught the next generation about the culture, about the systems, about the customs. This is what you do, and this is how you do it. Now, although Naomi was an awesome mentor, Ruth had to listen. That mentoring process works hand in hand when strong or when clear counsel or advice is given that the person on the other end receives it. Oh, I'll leave that alone. You got to receive it. And then once you listen to it, you got to obey it. And then once you obey it, take action. Ruth took action with what Naomi told her. So Naomi had a strategy. Then Naomi, secondly, the way she was blessed is she understood positioning. She gave Ruth three different, uh, four actually simple instructions to position her. She said, and this is in Ruth chapter three, verses one through five. She said, I want you to go home and wash. Soap and water is your friend. Put on some perfume. 
get dressed in your best clothes, and then at night when he comes back from threshing in the floor and reaping that barley harvest, I just want you to lay at his feet and just cover yourself with his garment. Now, see, now, see, this is a whole nother sermon in itself. Older women, y'all been married, some of us have been married 20, 30, 40 years. We need to teach how these younger women, how to not only catch, but to keep their man. Hello. See, y'all ain't trying to hear me, but y'all know I'm right. People can catch, they can catch, but they don't know how to keep because there's a process to catching and keeping a brother. And there's also a process of catching and keeping a sister. So just like the sister can wash the brothers, oh, okay, all right, I'm gonna leave that alone for now. What if Ruth had not listened to Naomi? What if Naomi hadn't positioned her? Naomi positioned Ruth to be able to receive her inheritance to a great degree. She positioned her to say, I'm worthy to be married. I'm ready. I'm ready to be that help me to you. I am at your feet, ready to go. So not only did Naomi, was she blessed with strategy, and not only was she blessed with knowing how to position, she was blessed with property. She understood that because her husband was part of a certain family, there was property, there were resources, there were things that belonged to her, but as a woman in that culture, she couldn't get it. But she knew she could position her daughter-in-law, Ruth, to get it. So when she gave her those instructions, she said, look, Boaz is related to our family. He can get it. He can position us for our future. She told her what to do. When she did it, when Boaz awakened in the middle of the night and he saw her there, he said, oh, he said, I know you're a woman with a good reputation. I know, I've heard. He heard from the people in the town. He knew she had come from Moab with her mother-in-law. And so he said, hold on, I want to do this. I want to marry you. I want to do right and to make sure you get your inheritance. But there's somebody in the way before us. There's another relative that is closer to you than me. And I've got to give him the first opportunity. So Boaz called the council of elders together and he laid it out and Boaz, that, that brother's no joke, man. He laid it out strategically. He said, there's a field, there's some property. Do you want to redeem it? And the cousin said, sure, I want to redeem it. He said, uh, 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 if you're going to redeem the land, you got to also take Ruth and make sure you raise up seed. Because see, when someone died, it was the family member's responsibility, the male family member's responsibility to raise up seed in their stead. And he said, oh, I want the field, but I, that intimate part, I don't want that. Pause, see la moment here. Sometimes when God presents us with something, there is an intimate moment he's inviting us into as well. Don't just take the things from God and not receive the intimacy he's inviting us into. So he didn't want it, but Boaz said, I'll do it, I'll want it. I'm going to take the land. I'm going to take this woman. He takes Ruth. He marries her. And then Ruth is blessed. Ruth comes up. The next, the last principle is that Naomi is blessed with family and community. Ruth, her daughter-in-law, marries Boaz, has a son, Obed. The ladies in the town say, that's Naomi's baby. God has blessed Naomi with a son. She journeyed through all of that bitterness as a blessed woman 
and was able to bring forth and to nurse. She nursed that child. She nurtured that baby. Naomi's account ends well. She's restored and is walking in the blessings of the Lord. Naomi journeyed through some difficult spaces and painful places, and she comes out on the other side with joy. Sometimes in life, when bitterness hits us, we don't always end up in the joyful side. My twin sisters I've told you about who has survived cancer was just recently diagnosed with another life-threatening illness. As we sat in that doctor's office with tears in her eyes, she said, I still believe God. Some of you may have walked through some bitter places in your life. It may have caused you to change your name and your attitude. You may be acting like you're bitter when you're actually blessed. You have an opportunity to give into the next generation. You have an opportunity to be able to bless others. You have an opportunity to enter into an intimacy with God in this season like never before. Let me encourage you to allow other men and women around you to journey with you through this season. Maybe God is inquiring of you and calling you. Maybe you're thinking of someone, oh, that's their problem. They're bitter. And he's inviting you to come alongside somebody in their season of bitterness. I pray that you allow that to happen, that you would either do that for someone else or allow someone to do it for you so that you can know that you are bitter and you may be bitter, but you are really blessed. Would you bow in prayer with me? Father, we thank you for this day and this time that you've allowed us to be here to seek your face and to remind us that there is no one beside you. Lord, we pray now in these seasons of bitterness, when things happen in our lives that we haven't signed up for, when things happen in our lives that we don't like the taste of it, that we won't roll over and wish that life was over, that we won't throw in the towel, that we won't get angry and bitter and lash out and rebel against you, but that we would in turn turn towards you and still give you praise and still, even through the tears, even in the bitter spaces, remember that we are blessed. Cause us to be a blessing in the lives of others that we, as Naomi, may be able to say, we have done well. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.